the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. I remember the night Mom was pounding on her drums. She called me to her side. She said, son, you're growing up. Pretty soon you're going to drive. And Daddy heard the commotion and came, came in tap dancing, playing his six-string. And they both looked at me and they said, son, before you get behind the wheel of a car, you listen to me. If you're texting while you steer, don't drive. If you've been drinking beer, don't drive. If you're talking on the phone, don't drive. Your tires are bald and it's starting to snow, don't drive. If your foot can't reach the pedal, don't drive. If you're wearing no apparel, don't drive. If you took an illegal prescription, don't Understand your diction. Don't drive. Don't speed. Don't read. Don't breathe. Don't tweet. Don't shave. Don't rave. Don't wave. Don't eat. And don't put no makeup on or shave. You know you're not supposed to do that. If you gotta do something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and step on my blue suede shoes. Ah, uh, go ahead and scuff them up. If you're driving with your knees, don't drive. If while you roll, you eat, don't drive. If you don't know how to drive, don't drive. If you've been psychedelicized, don't drive. If you're kissing on your boo, don't drive. If the boo's kissing on you, don't drive. If you've been drinking at a bar, don't drive. If there's guns in the car, don't drive. Don't groom, don't shave, don't tweeze, don't nurse, don't. Things in your ears or rummage through your purse. Ugh. Don't do that. Huh. If you're 
if you want something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and talk on my Fu Manchu. Go ahead, I don't care. Watch me tear. If you feel like a nap, don't try If there's a pooch on your lap, oh, it's dangerous and creepy. If you're feeling really wired, if your license is expired, don't you drive around the town. Something you're not supposed to do You can go ahead and step on my bluesway shoes Scuff them up Then go ahead and pull on my Fu Manchu Yeah If you want to do something You want to do something that's good If you're feeling like any of that stuff Don't drive Make sure you got a clear head Ow Ugh. Tom Summer Program.com And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, my guest this hour has lived many lives as an award-winning child actor, playwright, professional songwriter, rap singer, music video director, and now he's a novelist as well. His new book, uh, Rosa, can be described as an urban Cinderella story with edge. And uh, he hails from, uh, well, let me see, It's I think he's calling in from London, but... I could have. Oh, I know what it is. He uh, hails from Tottenham, North London. His name is Lyndon Haynes. He joins me by phone. Hi, Lyndon. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. Um, you know, I was I was describing all the different hats that you've worn in your life. Um, they all revolve around storytelling. Is yes. that is that in itself telling? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, since I was a, a young child, I've always been into telling good stories and also making up good stories. And in school, I think that was my strongest point. English, uh, the teacher always used to tell me that I had a flair for writing um, in any report I got. So I guess it's always been there, maybe dormantly at first, but... Um, Obviously, as you come of age, you start to harness your craft a little bit, and maybe the music and the acting was, you know, a precursor to what I'm doing now. Well, and and even in those pursuits, um, you know, in many ways, uh, writing songs is telling a story. Um, yeah. Rapping is telling a story. Putting together, yeah. you know, uh, music videos is telling a story. But now... You're officially a novelist. Is is it a, 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 is there a big difference in writing a novel, or um, is it? I mean, beyond the fact that it's a longer piece of work. Yeah, I think um, when I was writing, let's say, raps or songs when I was performing, uh, which is a, a while ago, but. Um, in, in the raps, you, you have a short time to tell your story, so you have to do it cleverly 
and you know as many rappers do put it in a in a certain way that the audience is captivated for maybe three minutes of the song um a novel uh fiction novel at that i think it gives you a lot more scope to play with and you can really take it to different places because as you said it's a longer piece of work and there is a kind of structure to it as well um like everybody knows you know a story has a, a, a beginning a middle and an end and nowadays you know a lot of novelists like to twist their stories a lot and i think for me um with the sort of mindset that I have when it comes to writing stories and storytelling, I like the time that it gives me to explore the different characters and faces and places and, and the actual storyline. So I actually enjoy it more than the rapping because the <laughs> rapping, you've really got to get your point across in a short amount of time. It's not as easy as it sounds sometimes. I, uh, I was talking with uh, author David Baldacci a couple of years ago, and he's had several New York Times bestsellers. He's been extremely successful, but he started out as a lawyer, and I asked him if he liked writing better than lawyering, and he said, oh, yeah, <laughs> by far. <laughs> um <laughs> But in the process of writing this book, there's so many things I want to ask you about this because this is, you know, a, a new side of you. I mean, this is not your first book, but, you know, that's yeah. that's what you're doing now. Um, yeah. But I want to ask you about this book in particular because you yourself have described it as an urban Cinderella story with Edge. Did yeah. you know when you started writing this book that it was going to be a contemporary retelling of the Cinderella fairy tale? Yes, I actually I did, Tom. It was it was a deliberate um, concept for me because um, I had thought about this idea maybe back in 2014. Uh, I really had an idea that I wanted to take on a fairy tale and give it a modern-day uh, sort of, you know, urban... London twist, if you like, and make it very contemporary and really give it that injection of drama because the actual story of Cinderella itself is quite dramatic itself. And I know it's a fairy tale, but when you really look deeply into it, there's many themes that are explored within that fairy tale. So I wanted to take this on and just give it like a real modern twist. So I did have the idea from around 2014. And what happened was that I, I ended up going to university to study for um, writing for screen and stage. And then I was working with a TV producer for two years, uh, writing screenplays, basically. And I put, it, I put it on the back burner, but, you know, it was always in the back of my mind. And it gave me time to sort of craft the story a bit more um, and how I wanted to tell it. And so I just modernized it by using today and the characters um kind of setting it in a in a modern day um london setting if you like so yeah it was something that i deliberately did it's it's a little bit like what west side story did with the the romeo and juliet tale yeah that's correct yeah yeah why is it important to modernize some of these stories that have been around forever um, I think, as I said, they've all got great themes in them. 
you know. Um, a lot of the fairy tales that we grew up reading or listening to, our parents were telling us, or we saw maybe, you know, the Disney versions on, on TV. I know I certainly did when I was growing up. Um, we, we took them at face value at that time because we were young kids and we we're just watching it for the entertainment. But if you were to read it back again or watch it back again and start to identify some of the stories that they're telling within the story, then it makes sense to bring it into the 21st century, <laughs> per se, and, you know, give it that twist that, it can happen in today's day and age because it does happen. There are um, Cinderella's out there that are looking for a different life and maybe going through stuff that we're not aware of and all they're thinking about is trying to better themselves in life. And it comes in different forms of how that happens. Um, I had a conversation with a friend yesterday and she asked me the same question. She said, why, why did you base it on Cinderella? And I said, well, there's many people or many females in that situation today where they're, they're stuck in a place that they can't get out of and, and it's not a nice place and then they eventually get a break and it changes their life. So that's the similar sort of theme that I wanted to run with in this story but I really wanted to make it like a, um, you know, something that was very vivid that you can see while you're reading it and understand um, each character's within that story. Do you think uh, modernizing um, some of the themes from the Cinderella story uh, maybe make it more relevant to uh, contemporary audiences? And, and who do you think your audience is for this book? Um, first of all, I think once people read it and understand it, they then will appreciate it because it's not been told before in this format. Um, I haven't seen it done in a film version or anything like that. But it is a classic fairy tale, and it's got all the elements that you would like to take somebody on a roller coaster ride of somebody's personal journey. Um, the audience that I wrote the book for, I tried to write it in a in, in a masculine and feminine um, format. And what I mean by that is I noticed that when I commute to go to work, for instance, I noticed that on, on the train there's a lot more women reading books than, than men. Men were on their phones playing games and, and watching uh, Netflix and stuff like that, <laughs> whereas a lot of women, a lot of the women were actually had a book in their hand or they had a Kindle in their hand and they're actually reading the story. So I did want to gear it towards uh, a female audience because I just felt like, they are more likely to order a book and read a good story. But I also wanted to cater to um, the male perspective as well and add that sort of grit to it that will engage a male audience too. And there are parts of the story that are really harsh and I feel that the men will appreciate that. So it, it's my attempt of trying to balance uh, a good commercial market, really, and write a book that I think everyone can enjoy and will enjoy aspects of both sides of the story. More with songwriter, producer, and author Lyndon Haynes. Straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hornets. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More with songwriter, producer, and author Lyndon Haynes straight ahead. I, I was reading something about it, said, and, and I'm glad you mentioned you brought up uh, or, or used the word grit because I, I read one description that said Rosa, the name of the book, offers a gritty twist on classic Cinderella fairy tale. Um, it is grit necessary to add realism? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, I think not, but if you're selling it in a way that, you know, in the UK here we say, um, you know, it was a gritty story, being in the, it was very, you know, very um, urban, if you like. It was it was real, you know, it was very gritty and harsh. And in the book, it is it is. It is very harsh. I mean, the lead character herself, Rosa, she goes through a really tough time. But it balances out because she finds a Prince Charming and sees another side of life. Um, but you're right. I guess realism is something that is reflected within the book. And maybe I could have used that word, realism. But I think if you want to grab attention of, of um, an audience, we can say gritty, you know, in, in it. When people describe um, dramas out here in, in London, I don't know if they do it so much in America, they say it's a gritty drama, meaning it's really it's going to take you down to the depth of, of the dirt, you know, uh, when you're watching it. And you'll have some sort of, evoke some sort of feeling from whatever that character's going through. So <laughs> I think that's why I use that, that coin, that phrase there, rather than realism. But I, I do take your point on it. A good dose of realism is is also equal to grittiness. Oh, or is that um, because it's an urban setting? Um, does the fact yeah, that I, it's I urban make it a little more gritty? If if Rosa had been a farm girl and experienced some similar things and, and a similar transformation, um, might it have been a little less gritty? Yeah, I think you're right. I think the arena that I set the actual story in is similar to what I grew up in. It's uh, in 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 America. I know you guys call it project buildings. You know, it's like we we call it a council estate over here. And oh, we've we've I got it. Up. We've got it whittled whittled down, Lyndon, to the projects. <laughs> <laughs> the projects. Yeah. I mean, I know. I've I've been to New York many times, and I've seen the projects as well. But it's 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 a similar. Um, it's a parallel line because out here we have council estates, and on council estates, it's it's just a, a myriad of different people, eclectic people. It's like you're all dumped into one sector or area and literally just have to get on with it. And well, low-cost housing. Yeah. And and from that, it breeds a different lifestyle. And it is a very harsh, real lifestyle. So when I set the arena for, for, this, for this book, I wanted them to be within that, you know, within that space. And it's a contrast because the space that she's in and that she wants to get out of is complete contrast to the space she ends up in and what she becomes. Um, but I really wanted 
the readers to identify that there is a world out here in London that is very, un, you know, it's under it's our underworld. You know, if if you really think about it in that aspect, it is similar to the the New York projects, and is similar, I guess, to the projects in Paris and and everywhere else in the world. It's just on a different level. So that's why I, I wanted to add that urban aspect to it. And you are right. I think that is where the grit comes from because, you know, we come from the dirt, as we say. And even on the book cover, I, I, I purposely designed her path to be very broken and gritty uh, because I wanted people to understand that this is what she's doing. She's walking this path that is uneven and horrible and not nice on your feet and it doesn't feel good. Well, and she and and Rose is not from London originally. She's been transplanted there from Mexico, and and really gone yeah. from a bad place to a bad place. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why, yeah. Linda? Um, why yeah. why bring her across the pond to make this transformation? So. First thing, I, I'm a very big fan of foreign uh, films. I really love foreign films, and I watch a lot of films based in South America, not only just Mexico, but uh, Argentina and, and uh, Colombia and places like that, Brazil. I watched a lot of films, yeah. and the characters are very, <clears throat> excuse me, the characters are very, um, they're very stoic characters, you know. They're very proud people. They're very stoic. They're very loyal and they're quite patriotic as well. And I felt that, for me, I wanted to introduce her to a world that was unfamiliar. And if I had chosen, you know, somebody who was from the UK, they probably would have known how to get around and be a bit more streetwise about things and and sort of understand the terrain. Whereas I brought this family over from Mexico um, under the guise of like a witness protection program. And it's literally kind of sink or swim. Here you go. We brought you over now. We'll look after you up to a certain point, but the rest of it, hey, you're on your own. And that's kind of what I wanted to do is like you dump somebody in, in the darkness and ask them to find the light. And there are, as I said, I, I, can, I draw parallels to a lot of what's happening in the world today where there are a lot of people that are coming from other countries because they have to uh, in order to live and survive and they're coming into unfamiliar territories and they don't speak the language and they don't understand you know the um, nuances of, of the city that they're in and they don't like the food and, and all that kind of stuff and they have to survive you know and there's no handbook given to you at that time to say this is the survivor's handbook it's just like there you go you've got to get on with it and survive so i really did want that element of um somebody or or, or a family being sort of like cast away if you like but in in a different way not drifting out to sea but put somewhere where they literally do not have the support mechanism that everybody else may have well i just i found it interesting that within this uh sort of adaptation of the Cinderella fairy tale, there's there's a whole immigrant story as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as I said, it's reflective of, of what's happening today in the world. You know, you see people um, from places like Syria or Afghanistan um, trying to get out of a bad place, and then they end up maybe in the council estate in, in London, which is another bad place. And the support system is just not there, whether that's because of resources or just literal manpower. You know, I've seen it. You've got people from Somalia and all different um, countries that are put into places where it just creates another situation for them, and they have to try and survive. And how they do that, you know, we don't know because we don't live their lives. But I want to plant that seed into people's mind and just imagine what it feels like to be out of your comfort zone and have to swim against the tide, basically. Now, in this uh, retelling of the Cinderella story, um, Rosa has brothers, not sisters. Um, yeah. Does does that yeah. change the dynamic? Because, you know, in the original fairy tale, of course, the sisters yeah. would have liked to compete yeah. for the prince's attention. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and again, that was a deliberate twist on my part. I am. Um, I wanted to change it, and and because the sisters in the original fairy tale are, are very dominant and matriarchal type of archetypes uh, in a different way. And but I wanted to change it. I wanted to give her like a, a male dominant, and not to say that females are not as dominant. They are, but just in different ways. They may be more emotionally dominant whereas the main, uh, male figures are more sort of, it's brawn, it's uh, verbally, you know, dominant and, and physically dominant. So I really wanted to give her, rather than two ugly sisters, two ugly brothers, and see how she coped with that, basically. <laughs> I think I'm a, I'm a little bit evil when I did that. But yeah, I, I, just, I just thought, um, let's change it up, you know, because it, it would be... Maybe too obvious if I did the the blueprint of Cinderella in the way that it was written in the fairy tale. So I thought to myself, you know, let's just give her two ugly brothers rather than two ugly sisters and and let's see how she gets on with that. And that's really how I started. That was the actual concept when I when I first thought about it. And the one thing I wanted to change was rather than giving her the two sisters, give her two brothers. And they are horrible. <laughs> Well, not not to give uh, any spoilers away, Lyndon, but uh, Rosa doesn't lose a shoe, does she? No, but she does <laughs> lose an item that is retrieved by her um, Prince Charming heir apparent. <laughs> um, I won't I won't give it completely away. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I there is that element. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil it for uh, future readers, but. Uh, I, I just wonder how many things you picked up on from the uh, from the story. How much of a makeover did Prince Charming get? He's not actually one of the royals, I assume. <laughs> no, he's not. He's uh, he's just a really nice guy, and he's uh, Prince Charming in a different guise. As a, as I said, I don't want to give too much away, but he's a he's a rich guy, and he really really has something for Rosa. He sees something in her that uh, nobody else has seen before, and that's part of the attraction. And um, it's interesting because when they meet, it, 
uh, question of whether you can trust him. Is he genuine? And uh, she puts her faith in him. And I won't give too much away, but yeah, he, he, comes, he comes across as the guy he's supposed to be. How, how well do you think this, uh, this novel lends itself to a screen adaptation? Um, I mean, I really think this is something that I really um, thought about when I was writing it because, as I mentioned earlier, I come from a background of, of, of writing for screen and stage, and I was working on screenplays before I started writing uh, this particular book. So I did it in a visual sense that when you're reading it, you can literally see it on the screen. And I have been told some feedback from some people who have read it so far and they've said that to me they say oh it's like a film so that is part of my agenda if you like uh, to hopefully one day uh, it will be adapted to screen um, and I really take a lot of care with that because I am a, I'm a massive film fan I, I love film um, in any sort of format I love film and i that's ultimately, I think, where I'd like to see myself. But at the moment, I'm really enjoying writing, writing the fiction novels. And hopefully, you know, somebody will read it and think, oh, this is really good. We can put this in. Are there, are there writers that have um, inspired your voice? Or is that something that's evolved through a progression of uh, various types of storytelling? Um, I, I would say it's really weird. People are going to probably not expect this. I, I was a big Jackie Collins fan when I was younger. <laughs> my mum used to have my mum used to have loads of Jackie Collins books, and and I would read them. And I really loved the characters and the stories that she told. And um, I, when I was writing this particular book, I, I kept saying to myself, I want to make it like Jackie Collins, but in my version of a Jackie Collins book. But um, other than that, there are there are a couple of authors um, in the UK that have sort of paved the way for, if you like, black writers uh, like myself, uh, a guy called Korsha Newland and another guy called Alex Wheatle. Um, they write mainly stories about um, the culture, Caribbean, being from the Caribbean and coming to London, and their characters are based on people who have had that journey from the Caribbean over to the UK. But for me, I look up to them because they've laid a path for people like me to be able to write what I write. Um, I also um, write Martina Cole. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's a very big... She does the East London sort of gangster stories, the Reggie and Ronnie Cray type of books, fiction books. Um, I used to read a lot of Martina Cole when I was younger as well. And I just like the fact that she had the authentic East London Cockney gangster voice that no one else was writing at that time. So for me, they're sort of like my influences. It was is it kind of strange coming out with a book on the uh, during the COVID nineteen roller coaster? Yeah, you know, it actually helped me, Tom, because. We got locked down last March, I remember, and, um, you know, at my day job, they told us to work from home. 
so I didn't have to travel every day an hour and a half to get to work and I really I started to appreciate the time that I had and I remember saying to my son because he was living with me at the time I said I'm going to finish that book that I had in my head for a few years and he said yeah go for it dad so I literally <clears throat> excuse me I literally used the whole of that time to stay productive and I needed it for my, obviously, my mental health as well because being locked down and not being able to go out and do things, um, it can affect you if if you let it. And I didn't want to get into that state of mind, so I wanted to stay productive. And I literally wrote this book during that time. I think I started it in March last year, and I completed it early February this year. So for me, it... As, as crazy as those times were, it was a very productive time for me. And that's interesting, and I've asked a lot of people that, uh, musicians and authors, and it's it's fascinating the, the different answers, some that were completely non-productive and some that were incredibly productive. There were some writers, even successful writers, who said, you know, I wish I'd have taken, you know, taken it more seriously and dug into some projects. Um, but I just kind of, like a lot of people, stood there with it like a deer in the headlights. Mm. It's, it's, it's hard. I think at the time when all of the pandemic was happening, uh, we were really watching the world come to a standstill. <clears throat> and for us that have never been through, for our generation, I've never been through a pandemic before. Everything was new, what was happening, you know, the restrictions, you know, unfortunately people um, becoming ill and losing their lives and the stress that it put on the, the hospital services and the key workers. All of that stuff was new to us. So we were just watching and you know, it, it kind of like became a different world overnight. But I thought to myself, let me take this opportunity to, you know, I'm at home, I'm not doing anything. And I, I don't want to just be sitting there watching the, the, the numbers of people who are infected or affected go up all the time. So let me be productive and, and keep my mind strong and get in my bag, if you like. And I had the time to do it. I think time was a good factor for me because before that I never really had enough time to really sit down and, and get into something the way I did with this book and that was afforded to me because unfortunately the time we were in. Now that the book is out, um, what's next for you, Lyndon? Um, I'm going to keep going. I'm, 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 I think that although this is my third book, but it's my pretty much my first novel that I'm, I'm very satisfied with. Um, I'm going to keep going, and I've already, I've already started um, writing uh, my new book. Yeah, it's going to be part of a three-book trilogy. I'm going to challenge myself to do a trilogy. And um, yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm going to just keep writing because I, I need... Look, I, it's like anything in life. The more you do it, the better you get. And I'm not sitting here and saying to everybody, you know, I am... J.K. Rowling or, or, or anybody like that at the moment, but I'm aiming to be like that. Yeah, certainly. I want to improve. I want to get better. And the only way I'm going to do that is by continuing to write. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stay productive and keep going. And I just think, especially what we just talked about and 
in this world today and, and what everybody's been through that you, you have to take your opportunities now because you don't know what's going to happen That's down true. the line. So I really want to just keep going. Well, good on you. Lyndon Haynes is the author of Rosa, which offers a gritty twist on the classic Cinderella fairy tale set in London. And, um, Lyndon, thank you for spending this time. It's been uh, an honor and a privilege to uh, meet you and and get to know you a little bit. Um, But for uh, the listeners, I always give uh, guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Yes, um, I do have a website. It's called authorlyndonhaines.com. It's part of the WordPress website, but that's up and running now. Um, also on social media, um, on Twitter, Lyndon Haynes, on Facebook, Lyndon Haynes, and on Instagram, it's Mr. Underscore Lyndon Hage. Well, Lyndon, thanks again, and uh, for the listeners, the book, again, is called Rosa, and it's a, a twist on the, the Cinderella fairy tale, but uh, a much grittier more contemporary urban tale and um my guest is uh lyndon haynes lyndon thank you again for spending this time yeah, with thank me this you, morning tom. it's been a real thank privilege. you tom i i appreciate it and ditto back to you it's been an honor thank you very much for having me all right take care and with that we have more of the tom sumner program <laughs> Cinderella story, this unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. Ed Augusta is on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. Well, he got all of that. The crowd is standing on his feet here at Augusta. The normally reserved Augusta crowd going wild. For this young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere, he's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a 500, expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's got a... Looks like he's got about an eight. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. Mm. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hey, young fellow, I was hoping to squeeze in nine holes before this rain starts. Uh, certainly, Your Eminency. Take my bag, huh? Certainly, you magnificent. Okay, come on. Chop, chop. The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Show Oh yeah Hey, this is 
is the unknown comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Bye from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Jonah Bodie. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. 
More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The story of Little Blue Riding Hood is true. Only the color has been changed to prevent an investigation. This is the woods. My name is Wednesday. I work out a homicide. Monday, February the 2nd, 10.22 a.m. Bumped into chicken licking. Told me the sky was falling. I booked around the 6.14, turned her over to the psychiatrist. Then a call came in at a 5.03. When I was on my way to the 5.03, a 6.18 came in. I added up the 6.14, the 5.03, and the 6.18. Got 1,735. I handed in my paper to the chief. He corrected it. Gave me 100%. Patted me on the head. Told me I was a good cop. <laughs> 11.45 a.m. it happened. I saw a little girl in a blue hood carrying a basket. I stopped to question her. Pardon me, ma'am. Could I talk to you for just a minute, ma'am? What about? Nothing much, ma'am. Just want to ask you a few questions, ma'am. What's your name? Little Blue Riding Hood. Where are you going, ma'am? Grandma's house. Yes, ma'am. What do you got in the basket? What are you trying to say? I got something in the basket I shouldn't have? No, ma'am. I didn't say that. Then why are you asking me all these questions for? Just routine, ma'am. We just want to get the facts. May I have a look in that basket, ma'am? Be my guest. Let's see. Sawed-off shotgun. Knife, bludgeon, box of dum-dum shells. Nothing suspicious here. All right, ma'am, we may want to talk to you later, so don't leave the woods. She skipped on down the path, but she didn't know I'd seen the concealed compartment in the basket. In it, what I'd suspected all along. Goodies. My job, get to Grandma's before she did. I took a shortcut through the strawberry patch. It was sort of a strawberry shortcut. I walked up to the cottage, rang the bell. Come in, dear. Okay, Grandma, it's a raid. A raid? Why, I'm just a peace-loving old lady. You've got the wrong grandma. Yes, ma'am. We just want to get the facts. Where'd you get that bump on your head? The sky fell on me this morning. I made a note to book her on the 614 and turned her over to the psychiatrist. I tied her up, put her in the closet, then I put on the grandma suit and got into bed. Come in, ma'am. Hello, Grandma. I got the loot. What are you doing in bed? I'm feeling poorly. But, Grandma, what big ears you have. All the better to get the facts. I just want to get the facts, ma'am. But, Grandma, what a big subpoena you have in your pocket. All the better to serve you with. But, Grandma, what a big 38 police special you have pointed at me. All the better to take you in. You're under arrest. You and your Grandma are operating a goodies ring. A cop. I should have known. Known what, ma'am? You look nothing like my Grandma. You forgot about the mustache. But I don't have a mustache. I know, but Grandma does. Well, I see you broke the goodies ring. How'd you get a lead on her, Joe? I just played a hunch, Frank. It was just a hunch. 
I played my luck. Sometimes a hunch pays off, sometimes it doesn't. I was just lucky. I just played a hunch, Frank. What you're trying to say, Joe, is you just played a hunch. A lucky guess. Sometimes a hunch pays off, sometimes it doesn't. You just played a hunch. Is that what you're trying to tell me, Joe? Yeah. I just played a hunch. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Hey, that wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program and uh, means a week off for me starting Monday. You can tune in for uh, the best of the Tom Sumner Program, a week of encore shows that are especially uh, interesting and fun and I and I hope you will uh, enjoy them and I will be back Labor Day with all new shows uh, uh, starting with um, Oh, kind of a hat tip to Labor Day, but also to Rosh Hashanah, which begins at uh, sundown on uh, on Labor Day. I hope you enjoyed today's show with Lyndon Haynes and his Cinderella story, Rosa. Uh, and uh, earlier, <laughs> talking with Sharon Sullivan from uh, Lawn Love about their uh, their survey, 2021's Best Cities for Surviving a Zombie Apocalypse. Um, that was uh, a fun conversation to be sure. And, and also surprisingly interesting was uh, the first hour this morning with William Sargent, a consultant for the Nova Science Series and the author of 27 books, in cor- including the book we were talking about, Crab Wars, A Tale of Horseshoe Crabs, Ecology, and Human Health, which is due out from Brandeis uh, University Press on September 1st. 2021. Anyway, thanks to Bill for uh, being part of the show and thanks to you for tuning in. And uh, that's Smoking George Winters, Tickling the Ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to my vacation. Good night, everybody. The Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. 
This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.